A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. And Ric Flair is gone as well. I mean, it's just crazy at this point. It's like every morning you wake up and think, well, I wonder who's going to get released from WWE today. And some people are actually saying, I hope AEW doesn't try and hire Ric Flair. Are you crazy? Are you nuts? The greatest professional wrestler ever is a free agent. Somebody should be ringing him up right now saying, Rick, please, what do you want? We'll give it to you. And Flair would just be like, I want to be on TV. I don't care. Because he loves the game. When I say the game, I mean professional wrestling. I'm not talking about Triple H, but I'm sure he does love him as well. Anyway, do not worry about that because we have an AEW show to talk about. It's called Homecoming. It's like a special variation of Dynamite. But was it any good or did it absolutely suck? I don't know. You don't know, but the finger of power knows. So let's up those downs for everything I just said. do get into it as dynamite did start this week what was the very first thing i saw a sign that said simon give this an up or simon please do give this and then there was an arrow like structure pointing in a skyward direction as i always say you have no idea how much this means to me so you ask for an up and you get an up Thank you for being so damn nice. But then we got into our first match too. And given that I was a child who used to sneak a peek at WCW, being a WWF fan and being like, tee hee hee, I'm wondering what's going on. What a nice nostalgia ride this was. Because it was the next labor of Jericho and Christopher was taking on none other than Hooventude Guerrero the Juice. I mean, I haven't seen him in a long ass time. It was also stipulations ahoy because Jericho couldn't win this unless he hit a move off the top rope. And I'm glad to see that after 20 years, this was the same kind of Juventus Guerrero match that I used to watch back in the day which is he will go really really fast he will do a bunch of cool high aerial moves but every now and then he'll just go completely loopy and look like he doesn't know where he is and he kind of had a little bit of a miscommunication as we have said before though a human being is simply a human being and we all make errors so I'm never going to come on here and go I can't believe he botched this thing have you ever done professional wrestling I have and I tell you this it's really hard and mostly I enjoy the narrative here because Jericho was like well there's not really that much point me doing any moves on the ground because I have to win from up there so I'll go up there he even hit a cross body off the top when was the last time we saw that I also should have mentioned over the last couple of weeks that a champion has started doing a double axe handle from the top and I was someone that was saying I want those old school moves to come back so that's a couple of thumbs and there was this really good bit where he did have the victory but again he hadn't hit a move off the top rope so he was like damn it what am I gonna do well he came up with a very good plan he went back up to the turnbuckle and he hit a flying Judas effect, which is pretty badass. It connected. One, two, three. Jericho survives again. Almost instantly, Wardlow arrived and absolutely wrecked Chris Jericho before Maxwell Jacob Freeman went, Hey, Chris, how are you doing? This is your fourth labor. And that makes all the sense in the world. But the last spin was the special guest referee is going to be MJF himself. So now you're like, well, how is he going to overcome that one? 
surely MJF is gonna screw it. And sure, the actual match itself wasn't as fun or as crazy as some of the other ones we've seen, but it got by to me because again, I was just living in the past and I just like this overarching story. This whole labors thing has been done really well and it actually feels like Christopher Jericho is going through it. No, it's giving it up. Andrade and ooh, Chavo were then up to their same tricks. Cause even though Penta was here and Phoenix was here, they couldn't find Pac because of course these two doofuses had gone this week and affected his travel. He then tried to get the rest of Death Triangle to join him, but as they said, we're not joining you, Andrade. We're not joining you, Uchavo. We don't work for anyone, so go away. And then Andrade and Uchavo were all like, well, you're never gonna become champions. I don't really know where this is going to go, but we shall cross our arms and wait and see. And then this Hangman Page stuff is just brilliant. The short version is, is that we were interviewing the Dark Order when the cowboy did arrive and everybody was trying to apologize to everybody else. No, it was our fault that we screwed up and didn't win that match. Ah, oh, we're all to blame. What are we going to do? Well, Adam had an idea or at least a suggestion or at least a statement. And that is he is so bothered by all of this. He feels like they need to go their separate ways. And that was just another bullet right in the heart. And I get it too. So many people over the last week have been devastated that Hangman Adam Page didn't win this match. But that's the whole point. This is a layered and this is a depth and this is a nuanced wrestling story. And I'm sorry, you should be jumping in with both hands because we never get this. Because this actually made you feel something. It hit your emotional gland. And do you know how many times wrestling has failed to do this? A lot. That's why I love it. What do you mean the hero didn't succeed? It just means we're basically in act two and in act two of any good trilogy, that's when the badness has to rain down. And look, we'll get back to this later because somehow it gets even better still. But my word is this ticket my box. Ever Eyes or 2.0 or Matt Lee and Jeff Parker were then on AEW Dynamite. And I'm just going to be completely honest with you. I am biased towards these two lads because I just think they're two really good chaps. So when you see good chaps being put in good situations and being having good opportunities, it makes me feel warm and fuzzy deep down in my tum-tum. Also teaming with Danny Garcia here and it's getting it up. The only problem they did have is the people they had called out were Eddie Kingston, John Moxley and Darby Allen. And that is like turning up to a fist fight and then realizing your opponents have brought some guns. It did kind of telegraph the ending, but who cares? Or at least I don't. And an early highlight was Lee was all, man, I want to have a chop battle with Eddie Kingston. So Eddie got in there and just murdered him with the back of his hand. I mean, what was he expecting? Lee was then at it again because he was so distracted by Moxley beating up Garcia and by the fact that Sting was just over there. And it's a bit like, oh my gosh, it's Sting. Then he got hit by a dive courtesy of Darby Allen. Then he got back in the ring. He got paradigm shifted by Mr. John Moxley. Then Darby Allen hit the coffin drop. One, two, three. Like I said, I just enjoyed this one. It was so nice to see. And also, when you do take Moxley, Kingston and Darby Allen, flub me sideways. They are massive stars. Brian Cage and Team Taz then had a chat via promo. Brian Cage was like, oh, I don't like you, Team Taz. I never need to be with you and you don't know what a champion is. And Team Taz was like, man, you've made a massive mistake here, Brian, because it's definitely to be in our faction and out of it. And also, you're now no longer allowed to wear the color orange. That last bit didn't happen. The Elite were then backstage and they were just being massive idiots. It's almost like that's their job or something. Basketball was the theme of the day again as they were all dressed up and the things that we learned here. One, Gallows and Anderson challenged the Dark Order to an Impact Tag Team title match next week on Dynamite. We're talking about tag team titles. The Young Bucks went, 
well, we don't think there's any challenges for us anymore, so we're just going to go sit home and play Nintendo. And I'm sorry, they definitely meant something by that, so who the hell is coming? Kenny Omega was also overjoyed that Hangman Adam Page had failed and that he had no friends, and Brandon Cutler was like cutting the basketball net off the basketball hoop. And if you are into sort of behind-the-scenes wink-wink-nudge-nudge things, you need to go and watch this segment. I think there was a call out to Bray Wyatt. There was a call out to CM Punk because Kenny Omega was wearing a flipping Cookie Monster t-shirt. There was a Bollywood Boys t-shirt. There was just ha ha he he all over the place. And as a massive nerd wrestling fan, I flipping enjoyed the hell out of this. Also, as a quick aside too, they are just such a good bad guy group. They know how to push your buttons. Christian Cage then defeated The Blade. And I will admit this kind of came out of nowhere. But as it turned out, AEW were using this to let you know very straight and very clear that Christian Cage is the number one contender and that this match cemented that. And I get that some people are now shocked that we may be doing Kenny Omega versus Christian for the title at All Out. But firstly, I actually think that's a fine match. But also, it's probably because they have an absolute banger of a card and they have a plan. Christian is also a hero. As the bunny tried to distract him at one point, but he basically ignored her. My word, all wrestlers could learn from that. And then he was doubly helped out because Layla Hirsch was out here and she chased the bunny away. So that nonsense was gone. Blade also got his too because he is a bad guy. He tried to trick the ref in order to use the brass nuts and then Christian hit him with a spear. One, two, three, all was said and done. And like I say, later on, Christian did do a promo where he was like, Kenny Omega, I am coming for you. And I'm good with it. He won't win the belt. It will be a good match. This is all fine up. Santana and Ortiz, as well as FTR, were then doing a little video to continue their feud. And very smartly from Cat Harwood and Dax Wheeler, they are now tying this into the injury they did suffer last week and being like, oh man, you guys don't get it. Whereas the inner circle, like, oh, we're going to come back and get a win. Now I'm going to guess this can't happen for a little while as people do heal up. But when it does, I think we really need to pull the trigger come up with some kind of good finish. Britt Baker was out next and there is no two ways about it. She has turned herself into a megastar. Like as soon as Tony Schiavone said her name, all the crowd were like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. Here comes DMD. So bravo to her. She has absolutely smashed it. When she started to talk about the fact that she did win the women's AEW title in Jacksonville too, because of course this was homecoming and we were back at Daly's place. All of a sudden she was interrupted by none other than Red Velvet. Baker laughed this off straight away because she was like, last time we fought, I beat you in three minutes. But as Red came back with, well, that was ages ago. I'm different now. I've got more experience. And if you look at my record, I have 22 wins and four losses. So I do want to challenge you for that there championship belt. She also wants to do it on the debut of Rampage. And while I'm all good with this, because it makes perfect sense to do it there, this did feel a little bit like person comes out to the ring and says, oh, hello, by Jove. Can I please have a title shot? The other person says, absolutely. <laughs> we've got to do something. You can't use the ranking system either because Red Velvet isn't top of that. So while I do think they'll have a good fight, just kind of also feel like this is happening a lot in wrestling at the moment. I think you would have been better served having Red Velvet come out there and just smack Britt Baker right in the face and beat her up. And then next week, Britt Baker be like, oh, I'm so mad, I can't take it. Therefore, you do get a shot at me, but only because I want my revenge. These are minor details though, and I imagine that most people don't care. And you shouldn't care that much because it is just wrestling. And at the end, Rebel is going to attack Red Velvet with the crutch. And she kind of fell, but Britt Baker got in there and essentially took it and tried to kill her by choking her with a medical device. I think mostly Baker just needs a proper long-term feud at the moment that we can sink our teeth into, and I presume it will come with Thunder Rosa. But when you took all of this and put it in a ball, well, I think you got to give it a down. Andrade then beat up Fuego Del Sol. Chavo before this was all like, man, I'll give you a job cleaning Andrade's shoes. And unsurprisingly, Del Sol didn't want this, 
So we did kick the crap out of him. And what a terrible time he's having. This happened to him here. Alistair Black, sorry, Balakai Black kicked his head off. It's just not right. And then all the follow-up from this Hangman Adam Page stuff. I mean, Mother Hubbard, this is just top-tier wrestling at its best, and I'm giving it up. But he was out for a proper promo to explain all his actions from earlier, when, of course, he got interrupted by the Elite. And they were such dicks here, because they were like, we see what's going on. You want to come back into the group, but we're not going to let you, cowboy because we don't let losers into our club. I mean, sheesh, talk about kicking a man when he was down. The hangman was taking none of this, so he slapped Kenny Omega right around the face, and that didn't go too well, because then the Good Brothers got involved and gave him the magic killer. But then all of a sudden, this whole story went Shakespearean. Because the Dark Order did run out to try and help him before Stu Grayson and Dark Order said no, because they're trying to do the right thing by Adam Page. He said he needed this, but at the same time, you were desperate for them to save him. My word, the roller coaster this took you on. This all of a sudden became like a puppy being murdered, but then thankfully Frankie Kazarian, the elite hunter, was out here. But he can't fight against this kind of numbers game. So he was taken out too. Kenny then ruined Paige's skull with the world title. And I'm sorry, this is just the Empire Strikes Back because now the enemy is on top and it seems like nobody could stop them. We also have a bunch of questions when it comes to the Dark Order. So this is AEW totally respecting you as a viewer. They are just throwing little bits and bobs at you, letting you figure it out for yourself and then questioning, well, where the hell is it going to go next? So it's layered, damn it, it's layered, which means the end result and the ultimate redemption will be even better. This just gets a massive round of applause from me, which means nothing, but I really, truly think it's brilliant. Dan Lambert was then back on Dynamite, and who ever knew that I'd be saying what a welcome sight it was to see him return? Obviously, he's still really pissed off what Lance Archer did to him, so next week he's coming for his revenge, and he's bringing back up... And I actually don't know what the hell that entails, but I'm intrigued. What followed as well was just an absolutely brilliant match for the TNT title. Miro versus Lee Johnson. This is exactly what it should have been. Johnson thought he could surprise Miro early, and that's the equivalent of you being in the hot summer's day and getting an ice cream and put it under your t-shirt because you think it's going to keep it cool, because it was like running into a wall. Miro essentially laughed this off and then just started killing this guy. At first, I was a little bit worried. After he was beaten up for a while, though, Lee was able to bust out a DDT, and while he wasn't able to take the Redeemer down, he did make him a little bit groggy. So he drop kicked him out the ring, and Jar started to hit him after dive after dive after dive. And yeah, that's probably going to work. Johnson then began to hit Miro with everything he had in the arsenal. I think he was on the top rope about 742 times, but he just couldn't keep him down. Like Miro kicked out at one, and then Miro kicked out at two. And then very sadly, if he hit something else, I'm sure he would have got three. But the point is, he didn't. Instead, Lee Johnson got booted right in the jaw. Miro applied the game over. This poor fool was out in about 72 milliseconds. And that was that. Miro is still your TNT champion. This was flubbing good. We then found out that AEW Rampage is going to have four commentators. Four. Because you're going to have Excalibur, you're going to have Taz, you're going to have Mark Henry, and you're going to have Chris Jericho. Now, I imagine Chris Jericho is going to be the guy that sometimes he is there and sometimes he's not there. I'm going to be quite fascinated by this. Four people on commentary... I guess we wait and see. But they got a payoff for an angle we'd done earlier in the show. And I guess I must have missed that announcement. But it was Layla Hurst versus The Bunny. And they were having a number one contenders match to decide who would be the brand new number one contender for the NWA Women's Championship. So that forbidden door, kapow, it is smashed open. Camille, the current champ, was at ringside so she could be scouting out her competition. As was Nyla Rose. And given that the best friends had come out to the ring with Layla Hirsch, Chris Statlander and Nyla Rose at one point 
just stared at each other. So I suppose that's an upcoming feud and it's based on looking at each other. Either way though, this whole contest was about establishing Layla Hirsch as somewhat of a warrior and the fact that she can just absorb punishment after punishment after punishment, but then come back and beat the end of level boss. And that's what she did. She had been punched and thrown around a lot, but then she locked in that cross arm breaker. The bunny had nowhere to go. She tapped out and sure, this isn't a match you're gonna write home about. It's probably not even a match that's gonna live long in the memory, but it was a good showcase for all, especially Layla Hirsch. This match is going to be great too, because when Camille faced off with Layla, I was having a ball just because of the height difference. Like Camille is probably just a normal sized being, but Layla Hirsch is quite short. And this is why I don't get it when people go, oh, you have to be really tall to be in wrestling. No, you don't. Based on the visual alone, my brain said, well, this is something that I definitely want to see. Jade Cargill and Mark Sterling were then back, which was kind of good because I had been like, where the hell did they go? And they explained that she hasn't been wrestling because she's been out there trying to do a bunch of deals. She is now going to return to the ring on Elevation come Monday. And I still don't really get this, but it was short and sweet. So it's one for the future box. We then got to our main event and what a flipping tremendous piece of business this was. It was Cody Rhodes versus Malachi Black in his first official match for AEW. And it is just one of the easiest ups I have ever given in my entire life. Now for starters, Malachi Black's entrance is something you need to go out of your way to see because he comes out there to this crazy black metal as if he's some kind of nightmare demon goat. I mean, actually give you the heebie-jeebies a little bit. And Cody Rhodes, I swear, I tell you, is there a better person in the world right now who is as good at telling stories in the ring as this man? I've thought about it and there's probably not. This was a far more aggressive black than we were used to as well, which absolutely helped his aura and his atmosphere around him. And he was going after Cody Rhodes' legs at first, like he said he was going to. And he was going after his eyes. At one point he just grabbed his hand and stuck it right in there. But as we do know, if you look into his past, that guy really likes you see a box. The craziest bit though, is that when Cody finally had some control and he went to the top rope, Malachi got to his feet, booted him, meaning the American Nightmare fell from up there and crashed through a table. It also seemed like he was gonna be counted out, but he got back in the ring at 9.999. But Malachi Black then gave him the black mess. Cody was down, and if you can believe it, Malachi strolled over to him. He put his foot on his chest and he pinned him with the most arrogant cover you've ever seen in your flipping life. I was genuinely stunned because this couldn't have gone more than four or five minutes, but then it got even better still because afterwards, Cody had to be helped to his feet by none other than Tony Schiavone and then started to cut this impassioned promo that made it sound like he was going to retire. He even took off one of his boots before Malachi Black was like, ah, pal, you ain't retiring on my watch. Booing him again. Actually, no, he got a crutch and he smacked it over the back and then basically stole his boot. So straight away, a superstar is born and now we have this extra narrative where you're like, well, what's Cody Rhodes gonna retire? Is he gonna retire? What's gonna happen? Can he get back to his feet? Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. And I bet he is written off TV for a while. So this was just brilliant. It was just tremendous and all the positive words that I can think of that I wanna come out of my mouth. It was just a great story and it was a great match and who knew treating somebody new like a monster would make a fan go, well no, I think that guy is a little bit of a monster. What a strange foreign concept that truly is. Which brought us to the end of AEW Dynamite Homecoming or AEW Homecoming, whatever we wanna call it. And once more, it's just a terrific wrestling show. I don't even care anymore. Everyone's like, I don't care, man. I have such good times on Thursday mornings or Wednesday nights whenever I watch it, which is why I've taken the finger of power and overall, that's right, I'm giving it up.